the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM 1420 The Answer or Salem Media Group. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the the semester hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good afternoon, everybody. What a dreary day, huh? It's supposed to rain all afternoon, so uh, grab a cup of coffee and let's, uh, first of all, let's start thinking positively, and then let's talk about the markets and uh, a little bit. It's fun to do the impossible. Walt Disney. I wonder if he'd still feel that way if he saw the parks now. You must be the change you wish to see in the world. Mahatma Gandhi. The whole secret of a successful life is to find out what is one destiny to do and then do it. And then finally, in life, you will fall down many times. That does not matter. What's important is how many times you get up. Confucius. All right, folks. So anyway, uh, I... I <laughs> I'm still having computer problems. I'm actually in the office looking at the AT&T building right at this point. So uh, my my laptop has been shut off again. So uh, instead of doing it by memory, I can't do that two weeks in a row. I don't have that much left in my head, I guess. But anyway, uh, we're going we're gonna to do this uh, live. We're going to do it the right way. So in the meantime, if you have a question and you want to call in here, it's 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. Don't forget, if you hear something you want to get from me uh, and you go to my webpage, all right, and uh, you can get there very easily by just going to WHK's webpage, go to local podcast down to the Smart Investor Show. It'll take you directly to my webpage, okay? And by the way, uh, you know, the Insight page, uh, there's a little banner at the top. If you hit Insight, there's... The information there is constantly changing, and it's good information, stuff you should know. It's not only about the markets, and they they name names, okay? They name stocks, Uh, but also about your your financial success, you know, financial planning and everything else we're going to talk about today. Um, By the way, under bulletin board is Rob Schleimer. He may be one of the best technicians in the world, and you get to read him every week. All right, see what he's saying. And if you don't believe in technical analysis, Fidelity has 300 of them. Vanguard has 200 of them. So they they combine fundamentals and technicals together. There you go. Uh, By the way, if you'd like the dividend growth portfolio, the prime income list, any of our best ideas, please let me know. I've talked about the healthcare conference a couple times. I'm going to talk about healthcare today. Uh, You know, if you want to have a cup of coffee, you, know, you want to sit down and talk about your portfolio or start a wealth plan. Remember, we can do wealth plans now for prospective clients, okay? So just remember that. Uh, and just go to the webpage, and there's all sorts of contact me and email me stuff. So uh, we don't harass you. We call you. If you if you ask to be called, uh, we take it from there. But, you know, uh, recently, RBC's U.S. equity uh, analysts were – we're looking at their overall performance uh, of their industries, and and they were trying to figure out exactly where was the best place to be. So our industry analysts were most constructive on energy, financials, healthcare, and information technology. Now, I did notice that some of the consumer discretionary stocks started to pick up, too. They were least constructive on communication services. Consumer discretionary, consumer staples, which have held up extremely well, materials, which has just got hammered, uh, materials and energy have just got hammered the last two weeks. Now, 
three weeks actually. I, you know, I said about a month ago on the show, and you can listen to it. it. You know, all the podcasts are on there. So if you want to check me, I said I think you know it's time to lay off energy for a while. So, you know, what, what we did is we had these guys look at the thing, and the most important question in the survey in our minds is one uh, on the performance outlooks and on the question across. All sectors, outlooks are mixed for the most sectors and are less constructive in July than they were just in May, uh, or in March, I'm sorry. But the four that stood out were energy, financials, healthcare, and infotech. There's a lot of information technology stocks that are down 60 70%, and they've stopped going down. I'm going to repeat myself. They've stopped going down for the time being anyway. Now, we do have the chance for a Fed rate hike next week, so don't get carried away. You know. Buy pieces. Uh, our healthcare team uh, also got more constructive. And this was driven by more optimistic outlooks for our healthcare payers team. Uh, they went from bullish to very bullish, and our healthcare equipment and services team went from neutral to bullish. So that's really positive. And our biotech team went from bullish to bullish, from very bullish to bullish. I'm sorry, they, they actually moved down. So by the way, a lot of healthcare stocks had, had gone crazy there for a while. So now we were least constructive on materials and consumer staples. Consumer staples are are valued pretty high. So, you know, like in the prime income list and the dividend growth portfolio, there's there's several consumer staples. I have not been buying them. You know, the key with yield is you let them pull back to you. Materials got hammered. Uh, I got hammered in one um went down faster than the speed of light and uh it was a little aluminum company went straight up and came straight back down so it happens uh you know if we stuck just with our tech and financial overweights uh lifting energy and healthcare you know too a little bit but financials are starting to lead and that's the best kind of leadership in my humble opinion okay with technology tagging along, which would be even better. So just keep that in mind and keep it in the back of your mind, I guess, is what I'm suggesting. You know, um, I was listening to Tom Porcelli this week, and Tom's our chief U.S. economist, and he's very good. And he said layoff announcements are starting to grow on a daily basis. And, uh, you know, on the, he was talking about Wednesday, and uh, or th- I guess it was Thursday. Ford laid off 8,000 8, workers. So if there's something um, idiosyncratic about these specific layoffs at, at Ford, um, you know, we, we think it's part related to the EV, you know, shifting to the EV production. It doesn't matter. More and more layoff announcements at large have been rolling in for weeks now. All right. So let's talk about the labor backdrop a bit. Recall that we said uh, quite some time ago that we might see job losses before the, I, for the end of the year. And that idea is best, definitely in place. So for starters, forget about job openings. You know, we've always said on the show that that many times uh, they're like a free option and that they have no leading properties at all. So they typically fall in earnest and, and when we are in the midst of a recession. So, you know, also forget about the payroll board. That thing is a lagging indicator by, by all stretches of imagination. So, you know, look, we flagged for weeks that the rise in claims has been noteworthy and worrisome. And we took a look at the chart at the bottom, and, and you know, kind of, kind of questionable. So we'll leave it at that. Okay. Uh, so anyway, um, where do we go from here? You know, it, it, it's an interesting uh, scenario right now. But uh, you know, most investors, based on upon our conversations, remain skeptical that the markets can find any footing, which is good. Okay particularly in the face of continuing bad CPI reports. You know, the last one was really hot. But if you look at some of the, the, the June CPI report and some of the, the other stuff, uh, you know, things are, are, you know, Fed daily. We are beginning to see evidence that inflation is decreasing. Fed daily. The report from the University of Michigan on consumer inflation expectations was a positive thing. Fed's daily. Expect to see a, quite a little lower inflation by the end of the year with greater progress in 2023. So these are all reports that, uh, you know, obviously we want to pay close attention to. And, uh, you know, I think it's I think it's important that we we keep fixed on that. OK, so uh, 
look, we've never had a three-quarter point increase in interest rates into an economy that was slowing. That's kind of scary. And the question is, what are they going to do this week? And that might be scary, but it might be the bottom, too, because if if things start to look less bad or we see the Fed's, you know, hawkish tone toned down a bit, things could get really, really interesting. Okay. So, uh, you know, we're going to find out next week, I guess. But, you know, if it sells off, that might be, the, you know, the, the bottom. But, you know, you look, uh, we looked at the, the number of people expecting a 100 basis point hike and we never got to a number where we thought it was going to happen and even the three quarters you know there more and more people are heading towards three quarters and then they might they're talking about you know backing off a little bit so we'll find out i guess uh coming up here but look uh i think there's some interesting things going on here there's a skepticism of this rally and it's just, and it's rampant believe me uh i've talked to people and uh, I've left messages for people to not call me back. That's a good sign. But the, the plurality of our clients call this a bear market rally and doomed to fail. You know, yet the bullish percent was up 9% last week. So we went from below 30 to 36 in a week. Wow. It's a big move. And uh, unfortunately, I'm, 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 I'm trying to find things to buy. And I think they're financials again. So I, I, a lot of my clients own them already. So. I think investors are waiting for some things. They're, they're, you know, we want retail to capitulate, uh, which may that may have happened already. But the earnings per share to get downgraded by twenty percent or more, I think. Are they and they're looking for the Fed to uh, capitulate. Uh, but look, I think there's some reasons why equities are rallying. So inflation risks are abating as gasoline tanks, food prices ease. Um, the EPS results are better than what people feared. Seventy percent are beating their earnings per share. 70% of the companies out there are beating their earnings per share. That's interesting. Many companies are reporting easing the supply chains, meaning supply chain inflationary pressures are abating sharply, including semiconductor chip availability. That may be why all the semiconductors are selling off. You know, they knew six months ahead of time. And a lot of strategists uh, have capitulated last week with many of them seeing the S&P closing 3,800 or lower by year's end. All right. Most of those people were at 5,000, 5,100 at the beginning of the year. So uh, actually, I looked at the institutional investors and arguably they're near maximum uh, pessimism. If, if, if I look at the, the gross exposure levels uh, given, you know, by several brokerage firms. And so, you know, there's a lot of things going on that don't make sense. But we'll leave it at that, okay? So look, we have, an, as inflation soars, oppression fears rise, you know, everybody's negative, all right? Remember what I, you know, the reason we look at the, the bullish percent is everybody was positive when it was 80 last year. Now, now it's gone from below 30 to above 30. So I, it may pull back one more time. That's usually what happens. You know, you come back and test that low. Don't know. But, uh, you know, this week, we if we got to watch the reaction to the Fed. You know, look, CPI surged 9.1% in June. That was a lot. I think the last inflation number was 11%. That was a whole lot. So if we're breaking down the data, I, you know, like, I don't have to tell you, if you've been to the grocery store, you know, I, I mean, chicken wings are, you know, they've added four bucks an order to chicken wings, believe it or not. Uh, you know, it's so they would be in short supply, but uh, you know our glo uh, global analyst Eric Lastalis, uh, energy prices uh, now uh, are bleeding to other sectors, and so that that may be interesting. But it, it might be the hot potato for the election. Who knows? But um, you know, the only thing I can think of is you know you could have an earnings retreat, and that could be the next shoe to drop. But as of now. Corporate earnings have been holding up, so that's kind of, you know, that's important, I think. Uh, now, look, uh, one of the things I want to talk about was, you know, I've been talking about the healthcare conference, and there's some really good ideas. This is from May 18th, okay? And since no one's called in for it, <laughs> I know I have, uh, 
you know, the, the healthcare is going to leave. I've been talking about the healthcare has been the dead last. I talked about this last year about oil, and people thought I was out of my mind. I had a couple of clients say, just no. Okay. It was the best performing asset class for the last year. I sold my Matador about three, four weeks ago. Well, about four or five weeks ago. I sold uh, some of my bigger names, but just parts of them because they have big dividends. So, but look, there's something you got to know about healthcare, and that is, you know, the Democrats have proposed drug pricing le- legislation, which will come to fruition in the U.S., uh, and the quantitative impact that might have some long-term revenue and earnings uh, for both biotech companies and also drug companies, okay? Now, we believe that the bill reportedly continuing to progress very smoothly, so it's a, it's a problem. Uh, Medicare negotiations seem closer to a reality than it have been in the past and is likely to have a tangible revenue dampening impact on our company's long term. And that's both directly and indirectly. So it's going to be both biotech and drug companies. All right. So the, the current proposal lays out a, a schematic for discounting of Medicare stocks by the end of the decade. What's interesting is they're talking about 20 drugs. <laughs> And all of them uh, are drugs that are off patent. <laughs> Doesn't make sense at all. Anyway, so they're going to select 10 drugs starting in 2026 and then up to 20 in 2029. And these drugs uh, have to be marketed for at least nine years and have a maximum di- minimum discount of 25%. It- you know, I don't, I don't want to go into it, but anyway, it just doesn't make sense. Small molecules are eligible for negotiation seven years after approval, not 19, you know, you have a 17-year patent, but you can start to negotiate after seven years. Uh, nine years for biologics and 11 years, uh, and the price applies after 13 years, by the way. So it's going to be a problem. It's something you're going to know about, uh, you know, if you, if you get the healthcare conference stuff. I, you know, what we're seeing is the tick up in healthcare information, healthcare services, that type of thing. So it'll be interesting to see uh, where we go from here. But it is something you, you got to know because if they get 50 votes, Kamala Harris is going to say yes. Okay. Uh, so it's, you know, it's going to happen. Now, I don't, wear, I don't know where Mnuchin stands. He's been uh, he's been more of a Republican lately than anybody, but uh, I think you know, uh, you know his his daughter runs Milan, I believe. So that's that's interesting. You know, you have a daughter running a drug company, and it's a generic drug company. By the way, that's what I you know I I, I wanted to say is that the the ten drugs by twenty twenty six, the ones they've identified, and the twenty by twenty twenty nine are all generic drugs. I mean, they've already cut the price. You know, so. It'll be interesting to see how we go from here. I think I think it's nuts, but uh, anyway, let's take a break. If you have a question, the number here is three two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. That's two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. We'll be right back. We can play this game anymore, but can we still be friends? Now let's be honest. Aren't we always honest? We say we're straight-talking plumbers. I meant bluntly honest. Okay, gotcha. If you're a first-rate plumber, you can write your own ticket to work anywhere you want. And we want you for why it works. So here's why you should choose us. One, no on-call. Because family time is sacred. Two, family first, and we'll work with your schedule. What good is raise a family money without quality time with the family? Three, we've got a truck waiting for you. And it's a sweet rolling warehouse of a truck. Four, mom's breakfast every Tuesday. And it's so good. Six, we're growing, and you can grow with us. You want to move up? You can with us. Seven, we'll teach you to wallack a doodle. And we'll teach you how to spell it. Eight, no on call. Uh, you already said that. Oh, because it's important. Five, work with the best plumbers and for the best customers in Cleveland. Oh, that is a biggie. Yeah, I should have put that first. Or at least between four and six. Anyway, if that sounds good to you, hit us up at whyitworks.com. License number 30185. Pastoral Reflections. 
a weekly half hour of spiritual insight with Father Don Fisher, Catholic priest of the Diocese of Dallas. Father Fisher will be reflecting on the Liturgy of the Word this week. Join us every Sunday morning at 6 a.m. here on AM 1420, The Answer. WHKRadio.com, iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey.com. At RBC Wealth Management, we are proud of our reputation for putting clients' interests first. Our steadfast commitment to helping clients achieve their financial goals includes giving back to the communities we serve. Through supporting youth education, human services, and the arts, we hope to make tomorrow better for everyone. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. Okay, we're back. And uh, I'm just looking out over the city of Cleveland, and it's kind of a... Uh, Kind of a dreary sight, but it's a cool sight. You know, the, the, the field, the Guardian field. Oh, I never thought I'd say that. Anyway, um, so I was looking at things, and, you know, I, I look at a lot of charts. And this week, it's been a tough thing because my machine hasn't been working. So I, I don't have the charts on my machine. So I've had to go and do it via free stuff. And you could do that, by the way. I mean, I, I know where all these charts, uh, I have all these charts. Uh, things set up for my machine, but I don't have my actual charts that I use, which is, is driving me absolutely out of my mind. Uh, they don't fix this soon. I'm going to, uh, you know, <laughs> it'll be escalated to a higher level. Let's just put it that way. But I did notice one thing about the S&P 500, and I did notice one thing about the bullish percent. The bullish percent broke over 30. Remember, when it goes below 30, that's the promised land. But when it breaks over 30, that's very positive. Okay? Now, like I said, sometimes it pulls back. But the one thing that the S&P 500 did is it broke above its 50-day moving average. Wow. We already even talked about that. I mean, look, it broke below it back in March. The 50-day crossed over the 200-day. Back in March, and that's that's a big that was a big problem the way I look at it. So, uh, but you know, I, uh, Bob uh, Rob Schleimer was I keep saying Bob about to say Bob Dickey, but Rob Schleimer, <laughs> uh, Bob was Bob Dickey was our our technical strategist for years. By the way, and Rob Schleimer is now taking over for him, and he he was RBC's international technology uh, uh, technician. So. Look, I think the noteworthy developments this week have been the S&P 500 is showing some early signs of of rallying from very important support, okay, Uh, near the lower end of a 12-year uptrend. Okay, so that's, you know, look, back a year ago, I said we were at the top of the channel. We're now very close to the bottom. All right, I think uh, the the 3,500, and 14 is the bottom bottom. The other thing is the momentum was very overbought. Now the momentum is oversold. Now it hasn't started to turn up yet. Uh, that'll be interesting, though. But the break above the 50-day moving average is very interesting. Now, semiconductors are bouncing from the rising 200-week moving average. That's kind of neat. And while the energy sector begins to stabilize at its rising 40-day moving average, that's another thing that's kind of neat, you know? So those are two very important things. Now, you know, the weekly momentum is, you know, the, the, we were looking at the monthly momentum earlier, okay? And the monthly momentum uh, was deeply overbought, and now it's, you know, pretty oversold. But the weekly momentum, which was very overbought for a long, long time, dating back to, you know, geez, uh, I believe, you know, it's it's been there since, I want to say the summer of 2020, okay? But now it's oversold. It's starting to turn up. And so you got momentum turning up. You got the bullish percent turning up. There's probably a tradable rally coming up here. Now, the other thing is the NASDAQ. You know, the NASDAQ hyperextended above its trend line. Now, usually that's a bad thing, okay? 
That's when people are too, you know, that, that's what happened in, in March. That's what I was saying. We were 80% uh, on the, on it. Unfortunately, I should have sold everything at that point, but we are at a point where the NASDAQ is pretty close to a, the bottom of the trend line. So it's got a hold. Now, it, the difference is it went very hyperextended back in 2000, I mean, in 1997, 8, 9, and then 2000. But it was 16% above. We were only, uh, you know, like 3 or 4% above the trend line here. So, um, you know, we're down 36%. That's a long way. Might be a good thing. Now, rising interest rates and the U.S. dollar have been two very important headwinds for equities through 2022 so far. But I would say the 10-year yields continue to show some evidence of stalling or pausing, okay? near the uh, It's right near the old cycle highs back in 2018 at, at 325. So we declined all the way back to 270, by the way. And I think we closed this week at 294 or 295 or two, yeah, no, 298, I think it was. Uh, the U.S. dollar, you know, has been a just a stalwart that's just been going up and up and up. And if you, if you draw a trend line, uh, the trend line's right about 105. Uh, yeah, 105. And that's also important support, too. So if the dollar starts to give it up a little bit, uh, that could be very important for uh, a lot of different reasons, all right? But the, the other thing is, you know, semiconductors, and we talked about the biotechs breaking out last week, and and you know we were very positive about two months ago on biotechs. Now we're we're still positive, but you know the fact that it broke is is uh, something you got to pay attention to. Plus the drug pricing scenario we have, but the, the semiconductor uh, group bounced off major support at what we you know is a rising 200-day moving average, which is very important also. So that's good. And, and similarly, the, you know, energy has been weak, you know, and we, we mentioned, you know, back in May that we thought energy might be weak uh, for the month. Um, and it's showing signs of support near 40 day, I mean, 40 week moving average. I'm sorry. So th- those are two important, I think, very, very important things uh, going on. And, uh, you know, I think people have to start to, to think about that. And, uh, you know, one of the things is, if you look at long-term charts, you know, in a bull market, usually you have a series of higher highs and higher lows, and we draw lines that connect those, and that's the trend. So we have been above the trend for basically, you know, I mean, we started talking about this in March of 2021. That's where we hit it. Now, two years later, we're at the bottom. So it's very important that we hold here, but if we do hold, You've got to start buying stocks again. All right, that's all there is to it. So, you know, the Nasdaq is a is is kind of a question simply because it did hyperextend. Uh, usually, when things hyperextend, there's more to the downside than you'd like it to be. Uh, but we ha- we have seen things go. And one of the things I've seen, if I I look at the 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 Nasdaq relative to the S and P 500, it has been slowly but surely. Uh, making a little bit of an uptrend, make a series of higher lows on a relative strength basis. So that's something to pay attention to, okay? The other, the couple other things is, number one, the number of stocks below their five, their 50-day and 200-day moving averages are at extremes. They're not the ultimate extremes, but they're very close to where we had, multi, I mean, you know, 2009 or 8, 10, you know, uh, 1990, uh, 1998, you know, that's how many stocks are below their 50-day moving average. On the 200 basis, I think there's only been one or two times where we've had more stocks below the 200-day moving average. So it, it's, you know, this is all contrary stuff, okay? When things get this bad, you know, you know you can you can count on things going up for a while. The bearish sentiment hit 59.9% this week. That's pretty high. Uh We'll see what happens. The bull, the bulls are only at 26. The rest are neutral. I have noticed that growth versus value, growth has been making a series of higher lows. However, on the long-term charts, value is still the place to be. We'll see what happens. And, and once again, I want to talk about this again. The 10-year Treasury yield and the 30-year Treasury yield have broken their downtrend lines going all the way back to 
1980. That's a long time, folks. That's 42 years. And now the, the momentum is very overbought. So I think there'll be a pullback in yields. The question is, how far will they come? And uh, now, by the way, the month, the, the, the daily momentum is still kind of interesting. It's, it's still a little bit oversold. So may have a pop first and then go from there. And then the dollar index, if I look at monthly, uh, the monthly momentum indicators are, are up there. Uh, and it's broken out, though. I mean, it's broken out big. So, you know, that's from 1984. So these are big breakouts. And it's something you got to pay attention to. And the euro, somebody asked me about the euro the other day. The euro is kind of on a hyperextension on the downside. Uh, but it's still below its uptrend line. So it's not a solid citizen. So it, it's going to bounce. The question is, how far will it bounce? And I think, you know, we could go to a 1.08. Or one one two, but I don't think I don't see it going much farther than that. The the Canadian dollar broke down against the U.S. dollar, but not as bad, and I think that's because of oil. All right, so uh, yeah. leave it at that. The the crude futures have been, uh, you know, they bounce right off their their two hundred day moving average and their forty week moving average. So it'll be interesting to see how we do from there. Okay, because the yeah the, that's an important thing there and. And copper came right back to support, too. And by the way, Freeport McMoran's chairman was on CNBC this week, and he really said copper is going to be expensive later on. Hey, let's take a break. Remember, if you have a question, the uh, the number here is 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. We'll be right back. comes to managing your retirement, it's easy to get lost. Look to RBC Wealth Management to guide you. Our experienced, knowledgeable financial advisors will build your investment strategy by designing a plan that's tailored to your unique financial needs. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Visit rbcwealthmanagement.com. That was a quick commercial. Anyway, uh, I believe we have Chip on the phone. Chip, how are you? Well, I'm good. How are you, sir? No Hello. complaints at all, as a matter of fact. Uh, yeah, you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Are yep. you there? Okay. Yeah. yeah, you broke up. So my question is, uh, given we have a president who seems to not understand anything about business, and the current administration, which is made up of people with no business experience, how do you guys really think the next two and a half years are going to go? Is this war on general business, included in, and particularly the energy sector, is that going to? How is that going to impact everything? Well, I mean, obviously that is a negative. It's a big negative. Okay. However, I think the eyes should be on the Federal Reserve because. When did the market break, Chip? It broke right after the Federal Reserve said in November, hey, the gig is up. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's no more yeah, money. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and ever since then, uh, you know, hell has no fury is upsetting the Federal Reserve, right? So um, the point is, is that I think you got to watch the Federal Reserve much more than you watch the White House. Uh Simply because uh, you know, the White House can make things. I mean, all these are executive orders, and as soon as he goes right. away, all those executive orders are going away. Okay, that's number one. Number two, mm -hmm. uh, he he is going to be a pain in the butt, you know, for the next two years. There's no doubt about it, or pain in the markets, I should say, for the next two years. However, you got to watch the Fed. You know, it's all about the money. You know, and if if after this. You know, they have the meeting this week, and after this meeting, they say, well, we'll hold back for a while. We're going to have a rally like you ain't never seen before, okay? The other thing is, is that we do have a lot of money out there. And I can make a case, a contrary case, you know, like the number of, that's why I mentioned the 50-day and the 200-day moving average. The number of stocks below that is significant. The cash on the sidelines 
is the largest ever. More than 2008, more than 2002. Okay, so it's, it's the most ever. People are underinvested. And you know what? You can't buy bonds if they're going to raise interest rates because you get whacked in those. I mean, I mean, if you're right. in a bond fund right now, you're probably down 20%. So I think commodities, you know, look, they broke their downtrend line dating back to 2010. And, but, and, and normally they go up and they pull back. And what happened is they went up and when they were starting to pull back, Ukraine hit. So they went up further. Now they're going to pull mm -hmm. back to the uptrend line, which is a lot farther down than it would have been had they started the correction earlier. And then I think they'll turn. All right. So I, I just think the president can be a pain, but it's the Federal Reserve that runs the money. That's who you got to watch. Um, I, I missed the first two minutes of the show, so maybe you addressed this, but um, you see us retesting the lows yet coming up here this the, before the end of the summer. You know, normally uh, when you're the bullish percent gets below 30 chip and, and it rallies up for a while, it comes down mm -hmm. and tests one more time. OK, so look, if you're it's psychologically just easy to buy stocks when they're down. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. it's the best time to buy them. All right. So buy low, sell high. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but if you're a 500 share buyer, buy 100 or 200. OK. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, most of my accounts have a lot of cash and, uh, you know, Marshfield had a lot of cash coming into this. In some cases, they only bought like one or two stocks and they're looking, you know, unbelievable. OK. And one of my mm. other money managers ha had 27 percent cash. So there's a lot of cash out there. And, you know, a lot of these stocks, it, it, you know, are down a lot because there was a buying. There's no buying. You know, when the Fed starts telling you they're going to have interest rate hikes for the next two years, who's going to buy? Yeah. You know no, what I mean? I totally so, agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. But if the Fed starts to hint, hey, this may be over, there's, there's a lot of people on the sidelines that have a lot of cash. The average trading account has 39% cash right now. Average trading account. Yeah, I am. I'm, I'm sitting on I'm sitting on 30% cash, yeah, but so, so I'm only seven years old, so I'm a little more concerned about it. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. So you start out buying the high-quality stuff. Now, sometimes when you come out of these things, it's the low-quality stocks that lead the way, all right? Mm -hmm. But this is a good time to buy quality. Now, consumer staples are quality, but they're up a lot, okay? They have high valuations that stay away from those. Okay. Gotcha. That help? Yeah, I got one quick one if you've got time. Yeah, you there? Hello? Yeah, still here. I'm okay, still here. one quick one if you got time. It's a macro question, though. What's the chances we could lose reserve currency in our lifetime? I have no idea. <laughs> and me either. It scares the living bejeebers out of me. Yeah, it does, but I have no idea. So, uh, yeah. I mean... Uh, Bitcoin is kind of the first step in that. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's my feeling. So, all right, man, you have a great day. I really appreciate your time. All right, Chip, Bye. thanks. See you. Anyway, uh, so one of the things I talked about was growth versus value. And if I look at the rolling six month spread, value is still the place to be, folks. But, uh, you know, and, and I, I got I <laughs> Mark called me about Ethereum again. Well, Ethereum broke a double top or triple top. But it's also way below its uh, uptrend line, so be careful with it. Uh, I, I have, uh, that's a technical opinion. I have no fundamental opinion. Now, the bullish percent went crazy this week. It's at 36. It was up 10. So, I mean, it's a big, big day. Uh, the over-the-counter index went into a column of Xs this week, too, and it, it was up, uh, hit 30. So when it goes below 30 to above 30, that's good. And the world index did the same thing. So... What we're seeing is everybody's turning at the same time, which is a big positive. And if I look at the positive trend indicator, you know, normally when that breaks 50, you got to be, you know, really worried. Uh, but it got down to 20, and, and that was reversed up into a column of X's. And so is the bullish percent for the S&P 500. So those are all positive things going on here. All right. Uh, somebody asked me about, you know, which is the best way. Well, growth has led the way here. 
Now the question is: Is that a rat? You know, is that the beginning of something, or is it? Uh, you know, have is the value thing over? I don't think so. I think value is still, you know, right right at the moment, the pure value versus the pure growth. I believe we may have, you know, if I looked at you know RPV versus RPG, I believe we went into a column of O's, which means growth has taken the lead for the time being. Okay, so people ask me, you know. The dynamic asset level investing. What are the best sectors? I had that question. You know, by the way, you can call me at my office and I'll answer your questions. But the the consumer non cyclical is still the top position. They're expensive though. All right. So if I'm buying the dividend growth portfolio, the prime income list, I'm holding back on those. Utilities are number two. They're expensive. Financials went to favorite status this week. Okay. Industrials have been in favorite status. Real estate, then energy. Energy's lost 100 votes this week in the last three weeks. Healthcare has gone from 65 to 115 votes and is is improving drastically. So, you know, that's something area. The the communication services area, that's where, you know, SNAP and, uh, uh, you know, Twitter and uh, it was Metaverses is called now. They're all involved there, so there we go. But the international sector, you know, I was looking at the uh, bullish percent for the Shanghai and the Shenzhen index, and the Shenzhen uh, and Shanghai both broke out and and went into a column of X's, you know, like at 15, and and they've pulled back into a column of O's. So that that might be that pullback we talk about. I think the yield curve is very interesting. And, you know, we've had some up and down action in Treasury yields, and it's continuing with the 10-year Treasury. Long-term rates have been trading sideways over the past few weeks, and short-term rates have risen notably, increasing the overall inversion of the yield curve. What's inversion mean? It means the short-term rates are higher than the long-term rates, okay? And if you do that in the uh, commodities market, it's called backwardation, right? So there we go. So the Fed is pushing rates higher on the short end, which usually means when that starts to occur, when you get that inversion, the chances of a recession go up and up and up, okay? So the more the reversion, the more chances for a recession. Now, uh, most of the commodities have been negative for between, I think gold started, went negative about four weeks ago. Uh, between four and, you know, the, the, the indexes have been 16 weeks. Corn's been 16 weeks. so. We're, we're not getting a lot of help. Now, natural gas, you know, hit that high of 970 back uh, uh, a month ago, pulled all the way back to five, and now it's broken out uh, at 760. So we'll see what happens. Uh, if you look at uh, First Trust has a natural gas ETF, the FCG, it went into a column of X's, but they're still below their, their downtrend line. So you, you got to be careful with that type of stuff to make sure you don't do anything stupid. All right. Um, <laughs> I had a client ask me about uh, um, the uh, uh, Molson's uh, over the phone here, and I'm not going to talk about that. All right. Uh, call me at the office, please. Now, gold, I think a lot of people are, uh, you know, gave me a hard time, by the way, for selling gold this week. Uh, and I sold it, you know, back in uh, May. So um, this was, you know, American Barracks. And I think you got to be careful here with gold. I think if it breaks sixteen hundred and seventy-five, you know, seventy-six would be really technical. But if it broke sixteen seventy-five, you have a problem. Now, on a relative performance versus copper, it's held up extremely well. It's actually broken out. So you know that's something they got to take uh, into effect. Now, I also had uh, several people ask me about lumber. And I, I guess with lumber, uh, you know, we, you know, we hit like fourteen or sixteen hundred, okay, and then we went all the way back to four forty eight, and then we went but right back up to fourteen seven, uh, fourteen seventy seven, and then we came all the way back to four ninety. So we made a series of lower highs and lower lows, which is a triangle pattern. So it'll be interesting to see if lumber breaks through that. The the weekly momentum is on you know is unwound and it's very oversold. 
So we'll see what goes on from there. But lumber stocks were a great trade there for a while. Louisiana Pacific and those names were a great trade. Um, but I do think it's interesting. The financials came right down to major support and held and turned back up, and the momentum's starting to turn back up. So we'll see what happens. Uh, look, some people don't like consumer discretionary. Our people don't, but I've been noticing it's making kind of a, you know, starting to make a, a turn up, and same with technology. Industrials haven't really turned up, and materials are right back where they got to really hold support. So, you know, those are some, some things to think about. There are some really interesting stocks that are in our dividend growth portfolio and prime income list right now. Remember, when you buy yield, you want the yield to be up, all right? You want to get the highest yield out of it. <laughs> Folks, when stocks go down, their dividends go up. And I've got several ideas in that field that look fantastic as far as, uh, you know, what's going on. So we'll see what happens. I've also noticed some retail stocks that have been beat up are starting to look really, really good. And some healthcare stocks look really, really good. By the way, you know, since Apple is such a big determinant, you know, it's held up really, really well. I bought a whole bunch of, at 129 a couple of years ago. Uh, and uh, then, you know, I, I think it'll continue. But if it holds up, that's going to be very important. If Apple starts to fade, that could be the last leg down. Who knows? But uh, um, anyway, some people asked me about it, so I thought I'd mention it. Uh, now, uh, why don't we take a break and come back with the uh, uh, a few things on the insider side. So this is the uh, this is Smart Investor Show. Remember, you can call in here. It's 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. We'll be right back. Georgia. Before you buy a mattress for a baby or toddler, make sure you look into Naturepedic. Made right in Chagrin Falls by Amish craftsmen, Naturepedic, top-rated, certified organic, healthy, safe, chemical-free. A big announcement, we're excited. My daughter Jen is expecting her first. She's made a list for us, and the right mattress is at the top of the list. As a new mom, I research, and I research everything. Naturepedic has everything we want in one mattress. Breathable, non-toxic, organic, and at a special price. <laughs> Is that a hint? Go to naturepedic.com forward slash fish and save 15%. That's naturepedic.com forward slash fish and save 15%. Naturepedic, from the crib to teenagers, recognized by Good Housekeeping with their Good Parenting and Sustainable Innovation Awards. Naturepedic supports an organic, holistic lifestyle while protecting the environment. Naturepedic.com slash fish and save 15%. If you could do one thing that changed you forever, would you? How about something extraordinary? Now you can join Dr. Sebastian Gorka and Dinesh D'Souza on the Stand with Israel Tour, November 30th through December 9th, 2022. We'll visit over 40 iconic sites straight from Scripture. For all the details and to reserve your spot today, visit StandWithIsraelTour.com or call 855-565-5519. Wouldn't it be nice to keep income rolling in even long after you retire? At RBC Wealth Management, we can help you invest for the future that you want and create a personalized plan to help you create the steadfast flow of income you'll need throughout your retirement. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Okay, we're back. Uh, you know, Benjamin Franklin once said, in this world, uh, nothing can be said to be certain except death and taxes. And, you know, our wealth plan, uh, which you can now try if you are a prospective client, uh, will be able to calculate that. You know, and, and just so you know, at the end, at the end of 2025, the tax job, uh, tax cut and jobs act is over. Okay. So, we calculate that for you, just so you know. Anyway, it does. Uh, we do have Roy on the line. Roy, how are you? Hello, uh, Roy. You there? Yeah, yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. How are you? Yeah. Hi. Hey, Tim. How are we doing? <laughs> no complaints. 
Hey, uh, wanted to get your thoughts on uh, certificates of deposit and whether you think those have a place in uh, someone's portfolio, especially now that the long-term CD rates are up over 3%. That's, you know, look, uh, I, I think I said a couple of weeks ago, I think bonds are back, you know, uh, especially, you know, two to five years. Uh, I don't think you want to, I, I don't know if you want to be buying the long-term bonds right now, uh, unless you're looking for capital gains. Uh, but the short, short end, especially after this, if this week, you know, what they're going to do is they're going to push up the short end again, like, you know, uh, between a half and three quarters of a point is what the market's telling us. So at the end of the week, probably a pretty good idea. And there's nothing wrong with fixed yeah. income. It's just been a it's been a bad place because when in, interest rates go up, your portfolio goes down. Okay, if if you have a bond account this year, you're probably getting hammered. All right, but you know, and this is what I talk, told people for years on this show: use a ladder approach. Okay, so so keep every so many years, you know, you buy more. Okay, so you always have money come and do, and that way you you lower the interest rate risk. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so that's uh, yeah, that's what I'd be doing right now. You know, I think you know, especially after the Fed report on Wednesday, I would think that interest rates, you know, short term interest rates would be the place to be. Yeah. Yeah. Good place. They seem to be headed up. Yeah. There's not. There's you know. Look. The problem was that because the Fed's been intervening for so long, the 60, you know, 60 percent stocks, 40 percent bonds portfolio, it hasn't been a place to be because interest rates were so low. And believe me, when interest rates were really low back in the uh, in the 70s and and then they went to 16 percent, people lost a lot of money. I mean, I remember Johnson Johnson bonds, the only triple A rated bond there was were cut by 40 percent. So the, the bonds, you know, priced out at 100, they were trading at 60. So they were 6% yeah. bonds. They ended up being like 12% bonds. <laughs> so wow. you're just going to be careful. But the short the short end, two to five year, I think is a great idea. Okay? Yeah. Okay. All right. Very good, Tim. Uh, great show. Thanks. Have a great go. Great day. So we're going to talk about insiders. We look at insiders because what we've done is we started with strategy. We've talked about technical areas in the market. We've talked about financials. Healthcare, uh, consumer discretionary, and technology. And uh, so now we're going to talk about who's buying their own stock. Okay, these guys know their their companies better than you do. Now, normally they're early, so just remember that. Uh, so we have August uh, Trendle, and he's MedPace Diagnostics, which is one hundred sixty one dollars stock, but he did pay one hundred forty four for it. So he bought it a couple weeks ago when it was down, uh, but he did buy about. Uh, Four and a half million dollars worth of stock, and then Richard Brannon, who last week bought a bunch of energy transfer, which has got a nice dividend yield, by the way, uh, just bought another uh, million dollars worth of stock. And then, you know, Franklin Resources—they're—they've uh, been buying their own stock, both the Franklin Resources Asset Management uh, and also the, the Templeton Global Income Fund, which is now owned by them. And they, they bought a bunch more this week, you know, so they bought uh, probably a couple million dollars worth this week, which I think is kind of interesting. Uh, you know, you, you like seeing that and, and they just continue to buy regularly. And then our good friend Jay Farner at his chief executive of uh, Rocket Mortgage, he bought another, I mean, I think he's probably bought 20,000 shares every day for like a month. Uh, so Jay's a smart guy. Uh I met him a long, long time ago, and he's a very, very smart guy. So it's just something to think about. Uh, beyond that, you know, we don't have a lot of insider buys. So, um, you know, here's what I'm thinking. The S&P 500 kind of stalled for a while there at 3,900. Makes an important spot. And I think, you know, you know, you got to watch 3,720 is the real key downside in the S&P 500. But I think crude oil is beginning to get near its low and in recent decline. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I don't think the oil situation is going away. That's Tim's humble opinion. You know, what, what's happening with the ESG is uh, Fink over at BlackRock is voting all the shares of the S&P 500, you know, index uh, stocks that they have. So he's, he's voting the, the banks 
not to lend money to the to the wildcatters. And you know the wildcatters borrow money to drill. There ain't going to be any drilling. So, uh, so I guess the key is you know look one. I think one of the keys is Apple computer. Does it hold? Okay, it's been the last bastion of hope. <laughs> All right. So if it holds, I think you know things could get really really interesting. Uh, and and you know we'll just leave it at that. But look. The S&P and the Dow have exceeded their three to four month downtrends from the spring high. So it's it, it's a problem. You know, uh, you know, you're making lower lows. So you've got to make a higher low first or you got to break the downtrend line. So um, but I did notice there was some widespread participation this week for the first time in a long, long time. And that's very, very positive. Uh, and I also thought it was interesting that the home builders rally. And they broke their long-term downtrend line, despite poor home sales. You know, the, and the data from all the home sales was terrible. Um, now, Europe. A lot of people have been asking me about Europe, and they have a strong resistance at their t- 2020 downtrend line. So I don't know if I'd be jumping on that till you break through that line. When you break through the line, then we can talk. All right. But markets should remain choppy. I think, and you know, especially with the Fed meeting this week. Uh, commodity, commodities, I think you'll find support in late July, maybe early August. That's Tim's opinion. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just looking at the charts and seeing, I'm drawing lines and stuff like that. That's where I'm getting that out, all that stuff. But look, we have been down. We've had negative momentum for 15 months. There's only been two or three times in history longer than that. Okay. So as a contrarian, I can build a, a very positive scenario. Now, my problem is I'm trying to find leadership and that's been the hard part. All right. But look, a lot of people are, you know, talking about the fangs and, and all those stocks. And I, I think, um, you know, Apple became the largest world uh, market cap when it exceeded Exxon a couple of years ago. And I guess the question is, you know, you need Apple to hold up. And if you look at most of their charts, with the exception of Netflix, all of them are kind of similar with the exception of Apple and Netflix, okay? So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting time. But if I look, there's, there's an entire cottage industry right now of fang doubting. All right? So they don't like these stocks. And we believe it's never good to buy and hold anything blindly. But, you know, what we've had is with Inflation going up, we've had their multiples come out. Okay, so uh, there we go. So, look, I, I think uh, what you have to be looking at, you know, in my humble opinion, is individual high-quality names right now. But don't buy them all. Buy part. Okay? And then we got to look for leadership, and you'll hear it on this show. Uh, so, in the meantime, go to WHK1420. Go to local podcast down to the Smart Investor Show. Read Rob Schleimer's stuff under Trend and Cycle, under Bulletin Board on the front page. But go to Insight. And in, under Insight, there's all sorts of new research. And if you want to have a conversation with me, you want to talk about your portfolio, you want to do a wealth plan. They're har- you know, it's harmless to do one. You don't have to become a client, but certainly I invite you to become a client. But it helps you put together a plan. So now we can do it for a prospective client. All right? So uh, it's something to think about. I, you know, death and taxes are certain, and we and we can help you on both of them. All right. So uh, in the meantime, have a great weekend. This is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Remember, buy low, sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com 
com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. The preceding program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM 1420 The Answer or Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.